Can you open your Bibles with me to second, or first John? We'll do first John today. First John uh, chapter two, as uh, we continue. Uh, we're uh, just kind of give you a little uh, heads up as to where we're going as a church. We're going to spend this weekend, obviously, uh, celebrating our Savior's resurrection, talking about that more specifically. And then the following week, I'm starting a new series called No Offense. <laughs> It, usually when you hear that in someone's, uh, you know, uh, talk with you, you're about to be offended. Has everybody noticed that, right? No offense, but, you know, uh, too late. Uh, we, are, we are a touchy world. Uh, we are easily offended, and we are uh, ready to offend. Uh, it shows up uh, on social media, in our uh, political realms, uh, everywhere, uh, and even in the church. That might surprise you. People can get their feelings hurt here in church, and so... We're going to spend uh, four weeks just talking about what the Bible has to say uh, to us about offense and the dangers of it and the, and the ways that uh, God wants us to handle it. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Uh, we'll start that series after Easter. But uh, we're going to pick up First John again in the summer. And so this is kind of the last sermon I'll be preaching here in this book and, and this particular series called Walk This Way. Today we're going to talk about walking right. The human body is designed to walk a certain way. Can everybody agree with me? I got these two legs, my knees bend, and my ankles articulate to where uh, I'm supposed to go this direction, right? Uh, but sometimes we do things in life that, um, you know, aren't necessarily the, the norm when it comes to our walk. We used to play this game. Is, is it, can anybody go back with me 25 years? Some of us aren't old enough. But uh, if you're not that old, let me just assure you, uh, there was times in our uh, history as a country, as a world, where things were freer. Uh, like I th I'm thinking of airports, Okay. Uh, today in airports, you can't get close to anything. You've got to wait, you know, far away from the gates and all that stuff. And understandably so, some things have happened in our past that, you know, make that a necessity. But uh, um, there were times where you could just go and hang out at the airport, like literally anywhere. You could go anywhere in the airport except on the plane unless you had a ticket. But you could just go anywhere. Does anybody remember those times? So I used to travel as a youth pastor with these uh, students that, uh, on during summer trips. We're sending a bunch of kids out from our church this summer uh, on their trips. And it's just a, a great part of that particular you know, piece of ministry in a church. And I got to go all over the place, Africa, Russia, China, Romania, all parts of Europe. It, just, it was awesome. It was a blessing. It was, and certainly it's just fruitful. And we saw God work in so many ways. But part of those trips were the travel. And, and, and uh, you would be sometimes waiting in airports, you know, six, eight hours for the next flight to wherever you're going down to Africa, right? And, and so uh, if you've got 25 high school students and eight hours to kill, you get creative. This is back in the days where you couldn't, you know, take your phone and just, you know, go for the next uh, hours. Um, you, you had to find things to do. And, and so we came up with games. One of our games was Blend. We couldn't come up with a better name. It was pretty simple. You'd walk around the airport, uh, sometimes, you know, for a long time. And uh, the, the, the chief part of the game was that whoever was it or whoever was in the lead would, would yell at different times during the game, blend. And so wherever you were, you had to blend with whatever was there. So if this keyboard was uh, near me when they yelled blend, I'd have to try to make my body blend with the keyboard. I hope I didn't just break this. Anyway, uh... Or if there was a column, you know, you'd have to hug the column and try to blend in. And it's stupid. I'm explaining it to you thinking, this is stupid. But it passed the time, right? And it was hilarious. You'll still, if you talk to my, my students from back then, they're in their 30s and 40s an hour, they'd be like, oh yeah, blend, that was hilarious. But the other part of blend was kind of like a Simon Says component, okay? You, you would have to try to blend with whatever the leader was doing. 
They wouldn't say Simon Says. We, we've played that a couple weeks ago, and some of you are really bad at it. But uh, uh, they wouldn't say that. They would just start doing certain things. And so this whole line of kids, someone's back at the, at the gate watching the bags. The rest of us are playing blend. And this whole line of kids would have to start doing. So, you know, they'd start skipping. And here comes 20 kids behind them skipping in the airport. And they'd start, you know, kind of doing this. And you just have to try to look at them and be like, how are they even doing that? And it was dumb, and I know you're looking at me. What's the point? Here's my point. A lot of times in the spiritual life that we live with God, we're meant to walk this way, step by step, one foot in front of the other, in obedience to him, in line with him. Too often in life, as we've talked through this book, we play blend. We go to the world. We look at the world, and the world's doing this as they walk. And so we look at them, and we don't want to not fit in, and we certainly like some of the things that they're standing for. Sin is fun. Lots of it is. Anybody disagree? And so we leave what it's meant to be the walk that we're meant to have with God, and we start doing all this silliness. As we continue in this series, we're looking at a letter that John writes to a bunch of churches in Ephesus. And the, one of his favorite words is abide. He keeps saying abide with him. Let him abide with you. It, it's the Greek word meno. It basically means um, set up your address with Jesus. Post up with what he's about. But it also has this idea of go with him, walk with him. Uh, in the front part of the book, he's going to talk a lot, and has talked already a lot, about walking in the light as he is in the light, living as he lived. We're going to talk more about that today. As we get into the second part of the book, in, in the summer, we're going to see about walking in love. Uh, love is uh, certainly the mission of God's church. But there's all kinds of ways that we get out of step with Jesus and so John's writing his friends. He's actually writing them in light of some false teaching that has arisen in the churches that he's um, communicating with. And he's like, hey, guys, don't go around walking like this. Walk this way. And today we're going to learn about walking with Jesus, walking like, like Jesus, and walking in awe of Jesus. Starting in verse 28 of 1 John chapter 2. We learn first that we need to walk with Jesus, and he even gives us a reason why. Walk with Jesus because he's coming soon. Who believes that? Anybody believe that? How about this? Maybe not soon, because we're not, we're not going to know the day. We can't predict it. But who believes that Jesus could come soon? Yeah, good. Me too. Could be tomorrow. I say it all the time up here when I'm talking in these terms. Lord Jesus, make it today. Let's go, right? I'm ready. Are you? I pray you are. But... One of the ways that you can show that you're ready is in how you walk. Look what John says, verse 28. And now, little children, he loves to uh, refer to his uh, early church friends as his kids. Um, my tykes, my uh, spiritual toddlers, my little children who are growing in the faith. He says, and now, little children, abide. That's that Greek word, meno. Continue to walk is another way of saying it. In him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame 
at his coming. Like I said, he's, he's already in, the, in his previous parts of his letter addressed the fact that there's some antichrists, not the, the, the big antichrist who, as we think about the end times, shows up and plays a huge role in, in those days, but he's talking about just literal people who are against the teachings of Jesus, uh, coming up with ideas that don't align with this walk we're meant to be on. And so he says, listen, you guys, don't walk with them. Walk, abide with Jesus so that when he appears, you can have confidence in seeing him and and not be hanging out with these false teachers over here uh, who are going to be in shame at his coming, feeling the shame of their choices. Uh, Two things in this whole being uh, ready for his appearance. Uh, Like we just said, he could come at any time. And so we should busy ourselves in cleaning up this life that he's given us with him in preparation for his arrival. My, my wife has uh, three uh, awesome ladies visiting us this weekend. They're friends of ours from almost 25, 30 years ago that we met uh, in Dallas. And, and they're just buds. They're just pals. Uh, and they are hanging out at my house this weekend. And so uh, Thursday, uh, uh, the house was clean and, and everything was clean and, and, and everything needed to stay clean. Who's had company before? If you've had young children in your house as as company is on its way, what is your mantra, moms and dads? Don't mess anything up. We've got this perfect. I remember one time we were having company come in, uh, you know, the next morning and our son Ben came home without us knowing uh, late at night and crawled into the bed uh, that they were, you know, going to be sleeping in the next morning. So we had to, you know, in the morning before they got there, wash all the sheets and redo the bed. And I, you know, punched them. No, anyway, uh... But, but you want things to be just so because you're a good host and you want to be ready for the arrival. But what a great picture for us. Jesus could show up anytime. Keep this clean. Walk with him. Abide. It, you know, uh, who wants to be the one that gets caught uh, by the arrival of Jesus doing something that dishonors him? Right? Anybody ever have that uh, story from, you know, life as a kid? You were messing around, you know, uh, saying something about uh, the teacher that walked in without you knowing, and all the other kids are like, Ooh, and you're still going on, yeah, he's a, oh, hey, Mr. So-and-so, right? You got caught doing the things that would dishonor you, dishonor him. What a great motivation for us in this walk. Jesus could show up at any time. Don't cut corners. He's coming back. Remember the parable of the talents, right? The master has invested in us, and he's gone away, but he's going to return. And he's going to come back, and he's going to say, hey, Bill, how'd life go? Hey, Russ, what'd you make of that? What'd you make of everything that I invested in you? And we'll return, and we'll be like, uh, hopefully, we'll be like, oh, I took what you gave me, and I multiplied it for the glory of the kingdom and for the glory of your name. But some of us will be like, oh, I took what you gave me, and I just buried it. I didn't do anything with it. I, I didn't really think you were coming back, right? Or Jesus will return. The clock is ticking. He's coming back, but don't forget, he's already here. He goes with us everywhere we go. And so as we walk, let's walk with him, for him by his strength, in his grace, accomplishing what he's called us to do. Walk, secondly, like Jesus, not just with him, but walk like him. Walk like Jesus because it proves your spiritual DNA. I don't know if you've taken it yet. Is Eleanor here? I can't remember 
if she was coming to this service. Doesn't matter. My wife, uh, a couple Christmases ago, got a 23andMe. Who's, ever, who's done one of these things? Anybody done one of these DNA tests? You spit in a cup or something? I don't know how it works. How's it work? I don't even know. Uh, but you send it away, and they tell you all your origins, right? Like we molecularly, scientifically can deduce where we're from, right? Figure out what's going on. DNA, what an amazing building block of everything. Uh, spiritually speaking, we have DNA. If we are born again into life with God through faith in Christ, now spiritually things change. We go from darkness to light. We go from life, or excuse me, from death to life. We, we, we become uh, like the one that we've been born into. And so John writes this, if you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Again, he's, he's referring contextually to what's going on in the churches. There's all these antichrists who are teaching these things that aren't about Jesus. They're living in ways that would uh, not represent him and, and not be in line with the walk that he's called us to. And so he's like, listen, man, uh, basically, uh, fruit follows root. If the seed of, of, of God has been planted in them by true faith, then their actions will show that difference, that, that new life will come out in the things that they think, say, and do. But whoever uh, practices righteousness, that, that's a proof that they've been born of him. Now, I don't have time to you know, uh, deconstruct this entirely. Certainly, there are people who are morally good but still don't know Jesus. I'm not saying that every good person is born of Jesus. Does everybody get me on that? Some of the, some of the finest people I know don't believe in him at all. Uh, morally, they're good people. But what he is saying is that if you claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your words don't match your walk, we got questions. Is his spiritual DNA really a part of you? Does anybody in here look like someone else in your family, maybe a mother or a father? Yeah. Uh, the older I get, the, the more uh, people who knew my dad tell me, yeah, it's, that you're him. You look like him, you're graying like him, thanks. Uh, your, your, uh, your mannerisms, you know, uh, this, I'll say it. Uh, when I was a little kid, I had a big old patootie, a big old butt. And I know, right? Uh, and and uh, not anymore, because I'm an older man, and that's what happens. Guys just lose their butts. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but back in the day, they couldn't find, we, I would always go shopping for suits for like, you know, Sundays, we, we were, a, you know, an, an angry Baptist church, and so you had to wear suits, and, and, uh, and they couldn't find a suit in a kid's size to fit me. The, the jacket would fit, the vest would fit, uh, but they couldn't find pants that would, and, and my mom would just, you know, oh, you had to have your father's butt. Anyway, all right, uh, <laughs> that won't make next service. All right, uh, but in the same way that our traits physically follow the seed or the root of where we've come from, spiritually, it should be the same way. Now, some of you are like, yeah, Mark, okay, cool. Uh, and I pray that for the most part, as I'm looking out at some fine people, Kevin, you're a fine man. I'm grateful for you. There's fine people in here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still guessing that there's part of life, parts of life, uh, that the, the, the fruit of our life does not follow the root of our Savior. It's this thing again. Anybody seen me do this before? Here's everything that I'm giving to you, Lord, but these parts are mine. And John says, listen, man, you want to know if you really have the, the seed of Jesus in your, 
In your heart, it shows up in how you live. Now, let's not confuse this because all the other religions say do all the rules, do everything else you're supposed to do, and that's how you know that you're pleasing whoever the God is in that religion. You, you do the right things. And we've, we've long taught here, and, and the church of, of Jesus has held for 2,000 years. It's not what we do that saves us. It's who we know and what we believe in that saves us. John wrote this in his gospel as uh, he opened uh, that book of the Bible. In verse 12 uh, of chapter 1, he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, uh, he gave the right to become the children of God. So if, if we enter into the family of God, it's not because we earned it. It's because we believed the gospel that Jesus came to give us. And we received him. It's by faith that we enter the family. I'm sure lots of us would uh, get, get that this morning or agree with that, would even raise their hands saying that they've done that. Uh, but if we put a camera on you, and there's a camera everywhere now, but if we put a camera on you and we watched you go through life, what would the evidence of your life say about the claims of your mouth? Living right shows our spiritual DNA. Like we talked about just a couple weeks ago uh, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, in the middle of verse 5, it says this, by this we may know that we are in him, that we're a part of the family. Whoever says, whoever talks a big game, that he, whoever says that he abides in him ought to show that by how they walk in the same way that Jesus walked. So it's not the world walk, but it's one foot in front of the other in obedience and in step with the character and the commands of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've told this story years ago, but uh, as a, an eighth grade uh, uh, you know, middle school student, I decided I was going to be a gym teacher and a coach. Uh, I did that because I had a great gym teacher and coach. Uh, his name was Mr. Plort. He was six foot four. It kind of sealed it for me on the, on the day that we had like the all school field day. Do you remember those? I don't know if they still do them, but everybody would go out and, and basically take the day off from class and you'd have events. And, and, and then, uh, you know, almost always there'd be like a, a teacher versus the students game of some kind. We played softball at this one field day. And I remember Mr. Plord, you know, six foot four, just all, you know, jacked. And, and he stands uh, left-handed, you know, in the, in the batter's box. And some eighth grader lobs him a, a, a softball. And he, and it's, I think it's still going. Has anybody seen a ball hit, hit so hard? It just hasn't come down yet. He hit that ball, not just over the right field fence, but he hit it over the tennis courts that were on the back side of that fence. I mean, I've never seen a ball hit so far. And I was like, that's it. I want to be him. He was my hero. He was hilarious. He was all the things that I, I, you know, as a 13-year-old thought, that would be so cool. And, and so I actually started changing who I was to become uh, who he was. I, I took the money that I'd earned. I, we, I lived in an agrarian agricultural uh, part of the world, I, they would let us out at the be, uh, beginning of, of uh, September and we'd spend the whole month working in the potato fields of northern Maine. And so as a 13-year-old, you, you'd, you'd have some bank. You'd actually make some money. And, and, and most of the time, you know, kids would go buy their school clothes. And so I went to the, to the local, whatever, clothier. And, uh, and usually it's, you know, just the same stuff that everybody else is wearing. I went to the Mr. Plord section. I got the Nike sweats, you know, the ones that had the pockets like pants. And I got the, uh, the matching Nike, uh, uh, you know, uh, polo shirt. Like he wore every day. Kind of embarrassed uh, 
to talk about it now, but I, I showed up and I'd be like, hey, I'm you. I stopped short of like wearing the whistle, but you know, I could have done that too. Now, other kids were doing it uh, in the middle schools that I grew up in. You got to be a certain age, but remember when Madonna came out? All the girls in my school were like, we want to look like Madonna, and so they started dressing like Madonna. It, it happens when you're young. But listen, the same should be said of those who follow Jesus. I don't want to just believe in him. I don't want to just receive from him all that he gives through his gospel. I want to look like him. I want to be like him. I don't want to just walk with him. I want to walk as he walks. It's a sign of his presence in my life. So read that verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29 again. It says, if you know that he is righteous, and we do. Is Jesus righteous? Jesus is right. Then we may be sure that everyone who practices his righteousness has been born of him. So here's the obvious question. When people look at your life and mine, what do they see? Do they see the righteousness of Christ being lived out in us, or do they see this, the walk of the world? Is that still working with you? I may say that I believe him. I may say that I have life with him. But if the fruit doesn't match the root, you've got to wonder, is the root even there? John uh, goes on in the latter parts of chapter 3 to talk about this in, in ways that are really repetitive. I, I actually read all those verses last night and ran out of time, so I'm not going to do that this morning. But I'm going to read you one of the verses in John chapter 3 that kind of revisits what he's saying here in 229. He says in verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. What John's basically saying is like, listen, all those false teachers, those antichrists in the church who are doing whatever they want and saying it's okay and that they still have some kind of relationship with God, uh, even though they deny that Jesus is his son and the Messiah, they're lying. They're, they're, they're deceiving themselves. They're deluded. Because you can't keep on claiming those things and choosing those choices and, and say that you've seen them or known. It's just, it doesn't fit. The math doesn't work. People who say they've trusted Jesus but never change. People who say they've trusted Jesus but never feel remorse for their sins. You gotta wonder if they're in the family. You gotta wonder if they've got some kind of, you know, uh, perpetual lie clunking around their heads about who they are and, and where they are in life with God. Uh, Eleanor used to watch this show about really heavy people uh, you know, deciding to change their life and lose weight. It, almost every episode starts with the, the person being at their heaviest, and, and, and then it comes time for them to get some surgery that will help them, you know, turn the tide of their weight gain. Uh, but that surgery is only done in a certain weight range, and so you have to lose, naturally, some of the weight that you've gained to be able to qualify for this surgery. It's the first 15 minutes of every one of these shows. Now, a lot of times those uh, people are really motivated and they actually do what they're supposed to do and they come in for their way in and, and yay, you've achieved your goal and we can do the surgery and the show moves on. But there's always those, uh, <laughs> those episodes uh, where the person gets the diet and kind of follows it. And, and then they show up for their way in and they've not lost weight, they've gained weight. Has anybody seen this show? And the doctor looks at him and looks at the scale 
And it becomes a real simple, you know, kind of scientific conversation here. Hey, you needed to lose X amount of pound, uh, pounds. You gained seven. And what does the person say on the scale? I did everything you told me to. I followed your plan meticulously. And the scale looks back at that person and says, you're a liar. Because this is science. If you did these things, you'd lose this weight. You obviously did not do those things. I wonder how many times um, you know, people have passed from this life to the next, and they stood before their Father in heaven, and they said, yeah, I did. I went to church. My parents were really involved. They were life group leaders. They, uh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, you know as, as an older person, I made it on Christmas and Easter. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I think I gave it one of those services, and, and they're walking through all of their, you know, uh, merits. And I, I understood the gospel, and, and mentally I, uh, you know, I, I, I gave my assent to its truth. But Jesus says, yeah, but we never, you, you never personally received me. You never let me change you. You never went from, you know, just this being your religion of choice or the, the ideas that you have about me to really letting me transform your life and, and leading you in the walk that you're meant to have with me. One last time, 1 John 2, 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Uh, walk with Jesus. Walk like Jesus. And finally, walk in awe of Jesus because uh, God through him has made us family. Now, I told you, um, John kind of pauses here at the end of chapter 2 uh, for like three verses. He just has this like, anybody ever done that in your conversations? I do that in my sermons all the time. I call them sermon sidebars. Okay? I'll be talking along and, and the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you should probably talk about this for a second. It has absolutely nothing to do with your notes. But, you know, just tell everybody, you know, put a pin in that. Sermon sidebar. Here's some more truth. And we're back. Has anybody been with me when I've done that? You do that all the time in your conversation. Squirrel and off you go on something else, right? And so John's doing that in his writing. And he's writing about uh, the, the, the fact that we've been born of God. And he, he just pauses for a second. He's like, oh, it's just hit me again. Uh, like it hit me for the first time when I understood the gospel. Now, I, gotta, I gotta just take a second and, and, and just kind of freak out here. That's what he does in chapter three, verse one. You've heard it. If you grew up in the church, you probably sang it. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. It's an old song, but it's John, first John chapter three, verse one. And this is what it says, see what kind of love the Father has given us, the English Standard Version says, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Okay, English uh, translations don't really capture the, the, the flavor, the power of the Greek. This, this first position word of see is the Greek word adon, and it's an imperative. And, and when you put words in the front of a Greek sentence, like, like English sentences have their flow, but the, the first words in a Greek sentence, those get the oomph, okay? He could have put C later in the sentence and it could have been still translated like it is, but he puts uh, Adon, a C, this imperative, as the very first thing. And so it's like all caps, right? Uh, it's the equivalent of like, I went to the hockey game on Friday night, the lightning lost, boo. Um, but we're walking down the stairs and there's all these Bruins fans speaking very loudly and excitedly about the win, right? 
And uh, I didn't punch any of them. It was great. But, uh, uh, but it's that kind of level of, uh, you know, excitement after a victory. And, it, and, it, and it's basically like uh, the equivalent of those guys saying, dude, which is what they said. Dude, and in other words that I can't repeat, but we won is the uh, message of what they were saying. It's essentially what John's saying here. He's saying, dude, and then he uses an idiom. Everybody knows what an idiom is. It's like one of those colloquialisms or one of those sayings that they had in their day. And it's this Greek word, potapos. Everybody say potapos. It's like platypus, but not. Anyway, uh, uh, it's actually a Greek word. It says, it basically means of what country? And it's the equivalent of us being, are you kidding? What kind of world is this from? It's the same word that the disciples used after Jesus had uh, woken up from a nap on a boat that they were sharing. They were in the middle of a huge storm. They're all about to die. Remember what Jesus did? He stands up and he's like, all right, that's enough. And the, and the winds calmed and the rain stopped. And they all looked at this carpenter from Nazareth. And they just looked at him and they said, Potipos, are you kidding me? What country is this guy from? This does not happen in the world that we live in. So with those two clarifiers, let's read this again. See what kind of love the Father. Here's my translation. Dude, are you kidding me? That the God who made everything would love us enough to include us in his family. How is this possible? Yeah, you should woo. You should wake up every day to woo. Every day with Jesus should be a wow day. Are you kidding me? I get to walk with the God who made me, even though, this is what Romans tells us, that he demonstrates his love for us, that when while we were sinners, Christ came and died for us. It wasn't that you were good or worthy or, you know, close. You were far. You and I are far from God. Hopeless, helpless. We have nothing that would appease him. And yet he loves us so much that he says, you know what? I'll take care of this, and I'll bring you into life with me. In fact, I'll, I'll satisfy my justice by having my son take the wrath that you deserve, and then I'll still invite you. And we have the audacity to wake up to life and be like, I don't know if I'm going to follow him today. I don't know if this walk thing is going to work for me, because there's other things I'd like to get done. There's other things that I'd like to prioritize. There's, there's other things that matter more. And God's got to be looking down at us saying, really? After all that I've done in creating you and then by grace through Christ recreating you, you're going to wake up to this follow, this walk with me, and you're going to say, maybe. Uh, Sunday, you got my Sunday, Jesus. But the rest of it, I don't know. <laughs> we got to get away from the meh faith. Ever have that attitude towards something? Someone says, hey, we just go here for lunch. And you go, meh. You're just not passionate about it. It's not your favorite. Uh, that may work with restaurants. It doesn't work with Jesus. Look at me. Here we go. Lean in. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is your favorite. Not included with your favorites, among your favorites. Favorites, he's your, he's your favorite at certain times. 
No, no. He is your everything if you're doing this right. You don't see your walk with him as this, you know, uh, death march. I got to go and do this now. I got to go to church. I got to get up and I got to love my wife. She's a bag. I got to do all this stuff. No, you look at everything that Jesus commands of you and you're like, are you kidding me? I get to live this way? He's freed me so I can live this way? Oh, thank you, Father. I'm in awe of what you've done. Hmm. He goes on and uh, says this, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. He's, he's going to kind of go off still in this tangent. He's going to talk about the fact that, um, you know, Jesus told us when he was on earth, he said to his first followers, hey, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're not going to understand this walk that I'm calling you to. They're going to they're be uh, kind of offended by it. They're gonna, you're going to be saying to them and how you live that they are wrong and no one likes to be wrong. Anybody uh, agree with me on that? Uh, the heat's going to get turned up, certainly throughout the 2,000 years of our history. Uh, there's been greater persecution, but the heat in the world that we're living in is going up, people. More and more folks are going to be like, yeah, hey, I don't get this whole Jesus thing at all, and I don't want you living it out loud in front of me. He tells them that, though, so that they can know, hey, just be prepared. If the antichrists in your church tell you you're stupid, just know that that's part of the, part of the program. He says in verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what, will be, uh, what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. What a great encouragement. Who likes encouragement? Anybody like encouragement? Yeah, this is a great encouragement because he says, Hey, man, I know it's rough right now. I know it's tough in the church that you're in. You're kind of divided because you got the false teachers over here and you're trying to remember what the truth is and stick with that. And, and it's just tough. And maybe it's in your family that things are tough. You got family members who don't believe like you do, who are choosing uh, differences uh, of, of, of life and, and heading in directions that hurt you as a parent or as a spouse or as a, uh, as a family, you know, member of that family. It's, 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 it's going to be hard. In this life, you will have trouble, right? But Jesus says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and not only have I overcome the world that you're living in, but I am going to come and create a new world that you'll be a part of with me, Jesus says. I'll return, and things will be different. We'll see him as he is. We'll be loosed from the, the limitations of this life uh, here on earth. The last thing I want to cover is verse 3. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What a great verse. It, it, it doesn't, in, in the English language, for me at least when I originally read it, leap off in the ways that it's meant to leap off. But, but basically what he's saying is this, like I just told you. If I make Jesus my chief hope, if I make Jesus my Mr. Plord, if I make him who I aspire to be and who I aspire to, to honor, if he becomes first in my life, if my hopes, all of my hopes, reside in him, then the, the, the automatic or, or the, the, the path that I'll follow is, is as I hope in him, I'll be consumed with being like him, understanding who he is and what he expects from me. And as I seek him and hope in him, I'll, I'll walk one step in front of the other in the ways uh, that he has given me. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself and becomes as he is. 
And so that's the mission of the Christ follower, that we would celebrate the great faithfulness of our God, but that we would honor his gift to us, his faithfulness to us, his, his love for us by walking with him, walking like him, and certainly walking in awe of him in everything that we do. Now, I get, I get to the end of these sermons every week, and we're going to sing, and Darnish is going to lead us, and it'll be beautiful, and you'll walk out of here, and you'll head to whatever you're doing next, brunch, lunch. Uh, the Masters are on later, whatever. That's a golf tournament. Anyway. It's so easy to come and just kind of do your hour or whatever it is, and then just kind of next. Can you just with me pause for a second and ask yourselves those questions? Am I walking with you, Jesus? I mean, not like this, like this. Am I walking like you, Jesus? In my marriage, in my parenting, at my job, in my thoughts? Am I, am I seeking to be like Jesus in how I live this life? And then, have, am I walking in awe? Have I, is, is my Christian faith a meh? Or am I living in awe of you? Now listen, there's so much to the, the life that God's called us to and so many, you know, further down the you know, details and all that stuff. But if we could just start there. Am I walking with him? Do I truly know him? Am I walking like him? Am I trying to become as he is? Am I am walking in awe of him? Or is he just the religion I ascribe to? All right. Maybe that could lead us to change. Maybe that could be our beginning of a real life, a, a life lived with him. Walk with Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Walk in awe of Jesus. Let's stand and sing. you think in these terms when you sing one of our songs, but uh, that chorus starts with the statement, great is your faithfulness, right? And then it proceeds to that promise from the rising sun to the setting same. In light of your faithfulness, I will praise your name. I will walk with you, walk like you, walk in awe of you. That's what I think when I see that as we sang it this time. May that be God's um, uh, way for us, his, his plan for us, his gift to us is the grace and the strength to do what we just sang. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for your um, faithfulness to us. Uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we don't deserve you, could never earn you, uh, and yet you lavish your love on us.
And for those of us who know you, I, I pray, you know, life gets so hard. I'm, I'm thinking uh, of, of Brant and Jenna and Garrett, uh, a family in our church who've lost a son and a brother. Uh, I'm thinking of other families who are going through medical hardships. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, families whose, uh, you know, families are falling apart uh, because the marriage is broken. And there's just so many hard things in life. But God, in all things, all those hard things and in the very best of our days, uh, the truth of who we are in you remains the same. Uh, we can uh, uh, have life because of you through your son Jesus and our faith in him. And, and once we've received that, once we've been born of God, our mission is to walk with and like uh, Jesus. So help us to do that today. Help us to live in awe of what you've done for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. See you Friday. See you Sunday. Bring your friends. Uh, check out Right Now Media. God bless you as you go. Have a great week.